0: UW-Madison is moving classes online starting March 23rd, the day after spring break, until at least April 10th. Emily Fannin is at UW's campus to tell us more about
1: that. Emily? Jennifer, face-to-face classes are not happening once spring break is over, but students are still expected to keep up with class as normal online. As COVID-19 continues to spread, our first priority is the health and the safety of our students, our faculty, and our staff. It has become clear that now is the time for the university to take broader action. Earlier today, I announced that we were suspending face-to-face instruction starting March
2: 23rd, when students would typically return to classes following spring break.
1: Hi, my name is Daniel Johnson, and I'm the Director of Technology in Campus Ministry Engagement here at Upper House. I wanted to sit down with five different campus ministry and church organizations, serving students at UW-Madison, to have a conversation about how the global pandemic has impacted, influenced, and changed their ministries here on this campus. You'll hear voices from Father Eric Nielsen, pastor and executive director at St. Paul's Catholic Center. Erica Liu, pastor and director of campus ministry at Prez House. Jeff Vanderberg, staff for the Navigators, Jordan Mansell, senior staff for CREW, and Keisha Wilkinson, state director for the Impact Movement. We'll hear five different perspectives, actions, reflections on these last 18 months, the history of their own organizations, how they've adapted, changed, their agility to move and create new ways to engage students in the virtual world, and what they hope for in the future of their ministries here at UW-Madison. Thanks for taking a listen.
3: We hope you enjoy this episode. Speed, it is an interesting um, history because Catholics started coming here back in the 1800s. And at the time it was thought, you know, why why would a Catholic go to the secular university? Because, you know, we have Marquette, you know, and the, And the Catholic tradition is very much into education, right? And so, you know, you don't want to go to that secular university. But Catholics came here nonetheless, first of all, because it was free and it was available. And, you know, we want to branch out a little bit, right? And so the Catholics on campus, you know, there was a certain, you know, mindset that had a little bit of a bias towards Catholicism. So they didn't like that. And so they started to band together and form a little group called the Melvin House. And little by little, they asked for some pastoral care because the students at Lakeshore weren't making the track all the way up to Holy Redeemer on, on the middle of State Street. And so um, a priest was appointed by the Archbishop of Milwaukee um, to start a campus center at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. So he built the first one, the first church in 1906, right there on the lower end of State Street. And it was actually the first um, campus center at a secular university that was Catholic in the country, so we kind of have that proud, you know, distinction. So it's, um, you know, it's had its ups and downs since then. It was, you know, a very famous place to go in the 60s. It was probably on the forefront of the changes of Vatican II, and it was seen as a very progressive uh, campus center. And since then. It has taken a little bit more of a turn in a more conservative direction as we find more young people are looking for something a little bit more stable, you know, to hold on to when it comes to faith than things that are just a little bit more out there. So, you know, the new building kind of reflects that. So when we built the new building, we showed like a thousand slides to a bunch of freshmen and sophomores and juniors. And they just wanted a building that was more traditional and evoked more of the, you know, the transcendence of our faith. So that's why we have the building that we have right now.
0: Press House is a Presbyterian campus ministry, and in 1907, Christ Presbyterian Church, which is a local church in town, it's now on Gorham, but in 1907, the church there were concerned about the young adults at the university and them not having kind of spiritual guidance and support, so they actually brought a pastor. The Reverend Matthew Allison to come be their campus minister and at that time the church was actually up by the Capitol and so he came to campus and he was ministering to students and then that church burned down um, and they rebuilt and when they rebuilt at that point the students were like hey this is too far away and so they purchased a house at the corner well it wasn't the corner then it was just I think State Street and they purchased a house it was the Fitch House to kind of do campus ministry there and Uh, Fitch House quickly turned into Press House because it was literally a house and short for Presbyterian House The students like to nickname everything. And so that was in the, um, I actually don't know what year that was, but sometime after 1907. And eventually they outgrew it and the plans were made to build a kind of student center and actually housing at that point. And so they completed the church building in 1931, which was also the the start of the Great Depression, so they barely finished that. Student housing was put on hold, of course. And in the heyday after that, the church grew after the wars. Um, lots of student participation. But then the 60s came, and with that, a lot of decline. Um, that was, I think, a pretty common thing amongst a lot of the churches. And it became an ecumenical ministry that was partnered with different groups around the Madison campus. So, Mark and I came kind of at the end of all that in 2004 when there wasn't really any active Presbyterian, well there was no Presbyterian campus ministry going on, there were zero students, the The building was kind of in disrepair a bit because it hadn't been updated, the roof was original to 1931, um, and they had a parking lot and a lot of dreams and a hope to restart something.
4: The Navigator started in 1933 with a truck driver in Southern California named Dawson Trotman and he found Christ through uh, a scripture memory contest at the local church because of some cute girls in the in the group and uh, he uh, just started following Christ and then he got in touch with a friend of his who uh, introduced him to a sailor and they started discipling sailors and it went on and on and on and then World War II hit and they started discipling sailors and the Navy as it expanded to by the end of the war, we had ministries in over 400 ships in the Navy, and then they all came back, went to college, and we just kept expanding from there. So, And the history here at UW-Madison, um, there was a woman named Mary Dawson. That's her Mary name. I forget her maiden name. Uh, she was a student at Illinois State. Uh, she found Jesus through the Navigators there. Her parents didn't like that, so they transferred her here, and she started following Christ here and doing what the Naviers taught her at Illinois State. And uh, she's just started leading people to Christ, her roommate and doing Bible studies and stuff like that. And then the Navier sent, started sending staff here in the mid-1960s. So we've been here a little over 50 years in Madison.
5: Crew was started in 1951, originally Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, the first campus it was on was at UCLA, uh, founded by Bill and Vanette Bright and has since grown uh, worldwide. It's in 190 plus countries, uh, goes by different names based on different cultures. Uh, Locally here, Crew is actually, and I just found out about this today, Crew has been at UW-Madison since 1965 um, as an organization. Uh, So it has very strong roots here at UW-Madison
2: yeah so the impact movement is a campus ministry that seeks to equip black students to be disciples of jesus christ Uh, and it started in 91 actually as an ethnic field ministry with crew Um, and it started with a national conference a black student conference in atlanta Um, in 91 where black students were just transformed and they're like we need something on campus and so that launched into this movement that happened across the country Um, and then in 2002 we became our own organization um, to to allow us the freedom to, to do ministry in a way that is specifically geared towards black students. As the state director of Wisconsin, so I oversee all the impact chapters across the state and that involves recruiting, training, uh, equipping staff to support students as well as being a resource on each campus um, providing guidance about like what does impact chapters look like how do we engage and care for students as well as creating programming uh, statewide programming like fall retreats and funding for everybody which is a lot of work um, and I've been I've been in this role for for two years now so I started like, Eight months before the pandemic and then i also served um, as the campus coach here in madison wisconsin for about six years uh, and was actually the one that relaunched impact on campus after it died out for a couple years yeah yeah so uw madison is at least 90 percent white um, and the population of black students over the several years have been around two percent to 2.3% black. Um, and with Madison being a, a campus of f- over 40,000 students that equates to about 800 black students on campus. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you'll be lucky if you see a black student walking on the street <laughs> or at least more than one um, throughout your day. And so um, it's a very small population, um, which in a lot of ways makes a space like impact in the other spaces that are particularly geared towards black students that much more important
0: starting today there will be a massive testing push at uw madison this is following last night's announcement that all in-person classes are canceled through saturday they'll resume remotely on monday for at least two weeks also right now all 2200 students in celery and witty residence halls will quarantine for the next two weeks because of the high number of positive test results in those dorms Starting today, any students in those dorms who haven't been tested will get a test. The university suggests students not travel home during this two week period to prevent the virus from spreading, and the Chancellor issued a statement reading. Our contact tracing has not revealed any evidence of
2: transmission from in person instruction.
4: A lot of fear. I think there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, we're always afraid of the unknown. So that was the main the main one. Um, campus ministry was just weird because the students were scattering to the four winds and trying to keep up with them and trying to figure out how to help them and how to stay connected with them. And then all this online platform started coming about. I mean, I don't think I knew what Zoom was much before the pandemic.
0: Yeah, you know, I remember that week because we had a university religious workers meeting, which is a, you know, an organization of different religious workers on campus. And it was at Hillel and it was the last in-person meeting we had until just this past month. And the sense of watching it unfold and disbelief and also what do we need to do in this immediacy? Because none of us had any idea how long it would last. And so I think initially, um, in, in an immediate crisis, I, I usually turn to straight like, well, what do we just need to take care of to make sure everyone is safe? And so we kind of quickly made decisions about getting on virtually with, because all students were going home anyway with spring break, and making plans to continue to stay connected virtually, not knowing how long that would last. And um, I think along with the rest of the world, we were just all in that same place of shock, but like, okay, well, I guess we'll hunker down and then as it continued on there was a sense of well how do we now adapt to do ministry when everything of the way we do it is about getting together in person and having an embodied presence and you know eating meals together all that that was that, that wasn't possible and so you know i was concerned because it, it's not easy to tell how a student is doing if you can't literally see them um, you know you do video to a degree but it, it's just limited there are just limits to that
5: Well, yeah, I I definitely remember the day it happened because we had just had our fundraising dinner uh, the day before uh, kind of everything shut down in the country. And we the following day we had uh, our staff, we had a day with the Lord. So we were all separate doing our things. And all of a sudden our phones started blowing up from students, from each other being like, what's happening on campus? I don't think we're able to meet. I think they're sending students home. Uh, I think, like many people, you know, we thought it was temporary. You know, I thought it was just going to be up till spring break. I sort of remember thinking it was kind of an annoyance. Um, You know, we certainly wanted to stay positive. um, And so we thought for a number of weeks, like, well, maybe we could up our online game. Maybe there's people out there. Who wouldn't step foot into a weekly meeting, but would feel comfortable with coming online to watch it? Um, so we we certainly had high hopes, and you know it's kind of funny even looking back because. We didn't meet in a large hall, but instead we had these small groups that were packed into houses. <laughs> you know, this was before masks were a thing. And uh, I, I realized, I'm like, maybe that was even less safe than <laughs> just meeting in a large group space. And so, yeah, like, like many people, I thought it was temporary. I, you know, thought it was gonna be kind of just a, a bump along the way.
2: Yeah, grief. Um, everything literally shut down. Um, right when we were, like, really, really ramping up for the, the spring. Um, and we were actually preparing to take 50 students to um, uh, Atlanta and Montgomery to have an experience to learn about, um, like, terror that has been done to black bodies and, and consider, like, in spite of what we've experienced as a people, why do we still choose to follow Jesus? And so I was grieving because it was my first time leading a national event. Um, and I had a good number of UW Madison students and and students across the state that were going to go. And literally like three days before we were supposed to leave, it was canceled and everything shut down. And so it was grief, um, a lot of grief. Um, and it took us some time to actually shift and decide what does it look like for us to still have community, uh, and, but also recognize that we're in this interesting place that we never experienced before and, and be okay that things are not going to be um, what we expected them to be.
3: So um, when it first came, you know, we, we all went into quarantine, right? And being a sacramental church, it's just hard to go in a quarantine, you know, because you know, we very much look at those gospel passages where Jesus reached out and touched people and, you know, touching lepers and also, you know, people with blood flows and, you know, and so that's what we want to do. So for quarantine, interestingly enough, what I decided to do and what we did do was since everybody had to work from home, I moved the whole staff to St. Paul's so that could be our home. So we could all keep working at home. And so we all worked at the student center. The women lived upstairs. The men lived down in the basement. There's a couple showers down in the basement. There's a couple showers upstairs. And uh, we were one big happy family of like 25 people for the whole quarantine period. And so we did all of our virtual things from there. We still had mass. Um, We heard confessions through the window as people walked by. And um, I was just talking to a student today or not a student, uh, somebody that was quarantined with us. And she said it was the happiest 34 days of her life or however long quarantine went, because we we're just all one big happy family. And the Student Center was big enough that during the day, you weren't on top of each other. You know what I mean? So you didn't feel like you were like sequestered with, you know? So that was our approach to, to quarantine. Yeah. Yeah, we, we obviously adjusted things, and we didn't adjust things a whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, mass, we added mass times so that you could have fewer people in the sanctuary or in the, in the church, you know, for mass. Obviously, we're all using masks too, right? Um, retreats, I think for our fall retreat, we moved it outside in the tents rather than having it. And, you know, it was kind of ironic. We, it was going to be at the end of October, and we moved it up to the first weekend of October, and it was the coldest weekend of October that it was like guys are in these tents. It was like thirty. I think it got down to thirty degrees at one night. So it was a very memorable experience for everybody. Um, we interestingly enough, we we had a lot of. Good outreach to freshmen because freshmen were so isolated and the dorms are so locked down. And you know, it's not that we weren't having any COVID precautions, but they were just a little looser than the dorms. And so it really developed a really good freshman outreach and fresh because the. So I think we got a lot of people who are a little bit more fervent Christians just because they're looking for a different place to go, you know, during COVID. So in some ways, it was kind. Of, it was a successful year for us. I don't know if we learned much for the simple reason that I kind of saw last year as a one-off, you know, and I didn't want to adapt life too much to just a one-off experience. Now we come back this year and it's not quite, it wasn't the one-off that we thought it was going to be. So maybe I should have been paying, you know, a little bit more more attention. (laughs) But, But this year seems to be a little bit of a, not quite a one-off. It's a little bit more, you know, people are just more relaxed about the whole thing than they were last year, so it's a little bit of a hybrid. So, you know, I don't really know if I've learned much yet about what to do. I've, I've learned things that don't work, perhaps. I think that for us as Catholics, too many virtual things just don't work. You know, I mean, you want to receive communion. You want to go to confession. You want to eat with other people in community that our ministry is built around. Our ministry is really built around those three things, you know, coming to mass, receiving communion, going to confession, receiving absolution and sitting with people and having food. You know, if, if we take that away, we, it's, we we got a pretty bleak ministry. So.
2: Yeah. So we shifted from doing, um, our typical regular meetings to, um, really doing a lot of stuff statewide to kind of lessen the pressure off of each individual campus. And so um, we did times of prayer uh, that was like really helpful for students uh, because they were really struggling, Uh, as well as each campus leader, like student leaders and staff all came up with like a three minute devotional. And so we were like, we need to give them the word. (laughs) And so uh, twice a week, a devotional will be released on Instagram and Facebook. For students and then the individual campuses would create spaces for discussion around those, um, those, those devotionals. Uh, and then we also did lives where we had speakers come and talk about, talk about COVID and what we need to be doing to be safe. But then we also had someone who came and talk about relationships and someone else to talk about community and justice and different things like that. And so we created spaces that we know where students will enter in, um, and created space where they can just have discussion and be connecting with people, um, it, even if they can't be in person, they could connect verbally. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, the big thing we do at the end of the semester, besides our spring break trip, uh, we had to cancel our trip to Colorado, which is a bummer because I love mountains. Was recruiting our leaders for the next year, and so and those would be the new people in the ministry. And so it was really weird to like be interviewing people that I had very little contact with. Um, We're doing that on Zoom and getting them and trying to get to know them because we do so much to build relationships, and at the end of the year, the new people have only spent a little bit of time with them. And me, in particular, because the fall before, I was on sabbatical, so I was just getting to know the students. I was on campus for six weeks before the pandemic hit. So we start each year with a student leader retreat, and we typically go away for a weekend. Uh, That wasn't gonna happen, and one of the challenges we had was that the local requirements and the UW requirements, all these layers of government had different rules and regulations we had to follow, and so it was really hard to plan too far in advance. And so the UW was putting out edicts of what we could do and couldn't do, and I'm like, holy cow, we could meet in a park. And so we did that one night, then we sent everybody back to their their house, their apartment or whatever, and the next day, we all met out of the county because the neighboring county had uh, less restrictions And so we just met at a church there, and we did our thing. Um, It was much more chaotic and compact and full than our usually more relaxing weekend. But uh, So we did that, and then we started recruiting on campus, which is really weird. Uh, The students were all crazy outside. I mean, there's so many people meeting outside because they couldn't really meet in the dorms. And I came up with this stick to handle flyers because you had to be social distance, right? And I personally call it a silly stick. Um, It's basically a a five-foot stick with a clothespin on the end. You could put a flyer on it and hand it to people. And it was so silly, it kind of got people's attention, they kind of smiled and took the flyer. Um, we just try to do what we could, try to meet new people, but it's really hard to start and build new relationships online. Uh, We could maintain relationships we already had, and we made a couple connections early on in the semester. A few people came to Christ, that sort of thing. But we didn't see much fruit, and talking with some other friends in other ministries, it didn't seem like they had much success either with that. And I mean, we did a lot of stuff outside. We do our weekly meetings called Nav Night, and we do them in a park. We had campfires. I remember in the fall, the last one we did, it was like 25 degrees outside, and we're trying to get lights on the speaker and and uh, zooming that out to people who wanted to zoom. It was really crazy, but everybody had a good attitude, and we did it. And so another challenge we had was there's a lot of um, emotional health issues, and we did a lot of shepherding, a lot more shepherding than normal, Uh, conflict resolution with apartments, Um, people just butting heads because they're there all the time. And it was just really challenging. I think the students really miss walking between classes. They may not admit it, but I think that it's a good thing. They had to go to class and they got to walk somewhere else and then go to class and walk somewhere else. And now they just, you know, they log off their, their computer from class and watch a video or play a video game or go eat some candy bar or something and not get any movement in their bodies. Uh,
5: yeah. So, finish out, finishing out that semester, um, I remember a lot of students very quickly developed Zoom fatigue uh which i didn't even know what zoom was before COVID hit so that would have been a term that i'm like what does that even mean um it it was a mixed bag of emotions on our staff team um some staff i think you know handled it well uh some weren't um and then we even had some interns that uh, you know visibly looked like they maybe were even checking out of ministry and i don't think uh a lot of people necessarily realize how much ministry staff actually went through like during this time and just the amount of isolation that was created because of, you know, the pandemic. Um, Very, very sadly, uh, a couple months after the pandemic hit, uh, we had a student who took his life. Um, I know that depression, mental health, suicides were on the rise. Um, You know, there was a lot going on in this student's life already. And the fact that He was isolated from his friends back in a different state. I'm sure, you know, definitely didn't help in that situation. Um, Even the months uh, after the um, shutdown had happened and COVID had hit, you know, I had a number of students and supporters who would either call me, text me, or even face-to-face, were very frustrated over a lot of things. Um, You know, things related to masks, no masks, meeting in person, not meeting in person, how big is too big, how close is too close. Um, And I think, you know, there's many people that just had a very narrow or simplistic view of what was best for everyone. Um, And that made it really difficult to keep the unity. Um, But I would say for me, I was very thankful for our staff team uh, because that was my community uh, throughout all of this time and i even remember some of like the the petty disagreements or maybe even some staff that i was holding at arm's length you know completely went away because we saw the bigger picture of like there's a lot going on right now and there's a lot of isolation and we are just extremely grateful to have each other as a staff team and so i grew a lot closer to my staff team through that whole process
0: yeah, I think our, you know, we, we had to shift our priorities. So number one was keep our community safe. And so with the information we had at that point, it was just, okay, well, our priority is to keep people safe, um, first from COVID in the ways that we knew how, but then also checking in on people and their mental health, because it was extraordinarily stressful for everyone and, um, and their families and the people they were connected with. So supporting people, not with just the physical measures, but trying to support them emotionally as best we could um, through virtual means. And then, you know, also trying to have some normalcy. So it's like, well, we can't be in person, but we can still connect weekly for a freshman connection. And we can still have worship online and we can still honor our graduating students online. And so, of course, not the same. But I think for the students who had been around, there was some comfort in those rituals and and familiarity, even if they were virtual. Yeah, so I would say there were two very different stories that happened at press house because of our kind of traditional campus church community and then of course our apartment residential community so on the church side it was extraordinarily challenging because we could not meet new students in the same way that we usually do which is in person and so i would say that our ministry was limited in that way and that we were connected to students who were already connected to our community from the past year but reaching new students, while we reached some, it was pretty limited compared to what our, nor- our "quote unquote" normal is. And you know, we would do, we would make plans for doing things outside, and then the lockdown came. Like I don't know, the third day of class. <laughs> so it was, it was this constant of um, having to change your plan. So you you make a plan just for it to be changed all the time, which was extraordinarily exhausting for everybody, of course. And I think people's uh, ability to keep doing that quickly waned. And so it was limited in that way. And that was really challenging. I think we we were successful in staying connected to the students already there, but pretty, pretty limited on the ones that we didn't know. But the apartment community because students had to be at home. (laughs) Like literally, that's where they had to be all the time was really successful because we could support them in that place and care for them and extend hospitality and grace and Um, They were all there and they could come down and grab a meal or actually meals were delivered to their door. Um, And, you know, we could do some meetings outside. And so I would say those people, I think we did a survey. I think 95 percent of the students there felt connected and supported, which was, you know, a wonderful success in the midst of such hard things because they were literally living with us. And so it was a very different thing than our church community where that's more, uh, you know, people coming. Except they couldn't come. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was it was good on one end, on the other end, really challenging and different from what we were used to.
2: Yeah, my students really had a hard time in this last almost two years um, when everything started to shut down. I, I feel like in April and March, I was getting a phone call or a text message from a student almost every week telling me that a family member got COVID. Or died. Um, I've I had multiple students that had family members that had like three or four family members die within two weeks, Um, and so it's it's been really rough. And then you add on all the the racial unrest, and then the election, and then the insurrection, and like, and then like like we don't know what we're walking into this semester, to be honest, because like we experienced so much trauma. And then so much poignant trauma focused on the race issues and COVID that we don't know, like, will students want to get to know Jesus um, after seeing people pray after breaking into, um, you know, these these national offices, like, will they want to know Jesus? Cause do they, do they want to be affiliated with those people? And so um, it's been like a really rough time of, of, figuring out what does it look like to care for them because they're just really struggling. And, and are like, even those who have been faithfully like trusting the Lord growing in a relationship this past year has, has thrown them into deep places of doubt. Um, and so what does it look like? Like, I feel like we're struggling with like, what does it seriously look like to to support that um, to support them and allow them to explore this place of doubt um, that wouldn't draw them away from God, but draw, him, draw them towards him.
0: UW-Madison has already exceeded its goal for COVID-19 rates in students and staff. Chancellor Rebecca Blank says as of September 1st, 92% of staff and 88% of students are fully vaccinated. That number goes up to 92% of students living on campus. Anyone who isn't vaccinated is still required to get tested for COVID-19 weekly.
4: I think, I hope students see their mortality because of the pandemic and it's a reality and they need to live for eternity and not for the moment. My dream is just people would be, the spirit would move and they'd be drawn to Jesus, that they'd be drawn and convicted of their need for him and that we would see fruit like we haven't seen before. And so I think there's a lot of pent up uh, relational, um, lack of relations. And um, they want to meet new people. And so we really have like two freshman classes right now. One one said just has more credits under their belt than the other one. But, you know, they're all so new on campus. So.
2: That every black student knows that Jesus is for them. I think the thing that has been breaking my heart is that uh, the way that we have presented the gospel and the the way that we share what is scripture, like what is biblical and what is not, has isolated people of color uh, and made them feel like who they are is sinful. And I think I think my 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 desire is that even if not every black student come to know Jesus or make a decision for Jesus, that they all know that He died for them too, and that. Um, that he has a vision and a purpose for them. He desires relationship with them too. Um, that they're able to see the fullness of a gospel that includes justice, that, that includes forgiveness of their sins, that includes um, a new kingdom that doesn't represent what we're living in now, um, that doesn't allow injustice to reign or value one culture over another. Um, and that, you know, could be more impact chapters. I would love to see more impact chapters across the state. Um, Strong faith community amongst Black students across the state. Um, Seeing um, impact students create movements um, that not only reveal Christ, but also does justice. Um, Being uh, a part of the fabric of Black student life on every campus that we're on. where students, where black students decide, we're going to do something, we need to call impact. Like that's, (laughs) that is my like desire for each campus to be a part of whatever black students are doing on campus, because God wants to be a part of what black students are doing, all students. And so what does it look like for us to be a part of the fabric of black community on every campus?
3: Yeah, my hope is, my first hope is that they would Join some sort of a small community where they could make some good friends. You know, it's hard to be a Christian without a good friend who is also striving to be a good Christian. So that's my first hope. Then my second hope is that they would give up serious sin, you know, that, um, you know, because as Catholics, we, you know, have a firm conviction that, you know, we, we sin every day. But there are some sins that definitely alienate us from Christ, and we want to eliminate those from our life. And some of those sins are pretty common to college students, so we, we don't, you know them as well as I do, okay? Um, so that's, you know, my next hope is that they would give up those sins. And then after they abandoned, abandoned those, at least, you know, turn tried to turn their back on them, that they would develop a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus based on a regular, consistent life of prayer, you know, using scripture and that that's a prayer life that they can take with them then wherever they go in the world, you know, that they don't have to have the perfect parish, you know, they don't have to have the perfect community that wherever they go, they'll be able to take with them this relationship that they have with our, with our Lord Jesus, you know, based on a daily life of prayer. So those, that's, those are my three, you know, big hopes for every, for every student.
5: You know, I certainly think that this season has left many of us um, hopeless in a lot of things that we might have put hope in, in the world. Um, I think a lot of people are uh, questioning humanity, uh, progress as human culture, um, you know, our leaders. And we want to shine hope in areas where others have failed to find lasting hope. Um, I don't think there's uh, also any question that there is a lot of disunity, um, not only in our culture, but there's a lot of disunity going on in the church as well. Uh, A lot of factions, um, people that I've known who've been a part of ministries or churches for years that have left because of disagreements over certain things. Um, I think it's important to be unified. Uh, And in fact, our first series um our first talk series in badger crew leading up to fall getaway is on unity and the importance of it um you know i and i think if we can learn a lot from the culture of jews gentiles and romans and how they had to coexist in a church together um, i think we can certainly learn a lot about that given a lot of differences that we might see in ministries um and we, wanna, we want students to recognize the great opportunity after a time of great isolation on campus. Um, so we want to pray that students would step up in their leading discipling and sharing their hope in Christ uh, with others. Um, so yeah, praying for that, praying for um, that factions and dissensions won't come upon us. Um, pray as we realize that the pandemic will perhaps impact our ministry for years because many of those leaders that we might have lost out on, it means we have less laborers uh, in the upcoming years, uh, for a time on campus. Um, and also praying that students will surrender to Christ. And this sounds really broad, you know, surrendering to Christ, but, you know, I'm talking about surrendering their future, their career, their academics, their relationships, finances, their freedoms, that they would let Christ, uh, shape them in these areas so that they can be, um, solely devoted to him and see, uh, his kingdom, on this campus and the potential of those entering his kingdom on on this campus.
0: You know, I, I think um, pre-pandemic, as you mentioned, we we brought a new staff member, Nee, um, Abrahams, and he's been great. But of course, his start was super strange and weird. So this is the first fall where he's like, oh they're, they're like this is actually a really crowded place <laughs> when people are here. And um, you know, and so I think we've had to reset to recognize the a huge thing that we've all collectively experienced which we still don't are still experiencing and don't really know the impact of and so i think for us it's it's kind of developing redeveloping that sense of home um, of being in community you you have students who have experienced most of their college career half of it in quarantine you have teens coming from high school at that i think there's a lot of unresolved grief anxiety, um, anger for, for just all these things, and, and yet they're supposed to kind of carry on. And so I think for us, it's developing a home base and, and establishing processes, a place that they can come for support and for encouragement. Um, but all of us are experiencing that as well, you know, not just them, all of us are collectively experiencing that. And so for prayer, I think, you know, there's a tremendous amount of need for pastoral care, um, for, for being able to acknowledge things that... While at the same time, there's a lot of hope and energy to do things, there's still all that stuff that we haven't quite dealt with, and it pops up in unexpected ways. And and, um, we all need a lot of grace and patience, which I think is in short supply. It feels in short supply. People are not operating at their best. And so, there's this mixture of hope like, yes, we can do these things, and then also, but there's still all this stuff going on. And how do we live that? How do we live in the tension of both those things, which is always true at all points of life, but maybe especially true right now with the way things are going, um, especially with this latest Delta variant. So, you know, I think the prayer would be that um, students, especially those who are seeking that community and spiritual support and would find their way. um, You know, I think students are wanting it, but also not sure how to do it because of this huge disruption to their life.